Hey everyone, it's Tim from Show Me Comics. Before we start, I just wanted to let you know that this episode was originally intended to come out a few weeks from now. We decided to push this one up a little early while the content is still timely. There will be a few instances throughout this show where we will mention that our graphic novel is already out. It's not, but... We are only a few days away from that happening. This coming Saturday and Sunday, September 21st and 22nd, Show Me Comics will be at Project Comic-Con St. Louis at the Westport Sheraton, where we will be debuting our graphic novel, Hafu, Volume 1. Now that that disclaimer's out of the way, enjoy the show. Season 1, Episode 4. You're listening to Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, word wrangler. I go out to my word farm. I gather up all these words, and then I spit them out in script format for our graphic novels and comic books, and also for the writer's blog on showmecomics.com. And I am Sam Richardson, illustrator. I take inanimate pictures of art and bring them to life. Okay. So today we have a interesting conversation. Um... By now, our uh, graphic novel, Hafu, is out, and it features a very strong female character in it. At least I like to think so, and I'm sure the rest of you do as well. Definitely. I hope so. So, recently, um, DC has come under a little fire. It has to do with Batwoman. Now, Batwoman is a lesbian superhero character that they created for... It was prior to the New 52, but she got her own ongoing series with the New 52. Personally, I think Batwoman is their strongest title right now. I pretty much only read the Batman family titles. I was going to say, it might not necessarily be best-selling, but Maybe strong, not best-selling. strongest is a, a different term. I think, I think it's definitely strong from the art standpoint, the writing standpoint, and just general character development. Um, so, she's a lesbian. And she has an ongoing relationship with a female police officer. And it's been a pretty big deal. And the creative team and the editorial team for Batwoman have had their storylines planned out years in advance. Or a year in advance, something like that. Well, recently, DC decided to refuse them the ability to have Batwoman and her girlfriend marry each other, despite the fact that there's been two proposals in the comic. They're engaged, I believe. They're in, I, I believe you're correct. But they decided not only were they not going to show a wedding, but the character can't get married at all. So the editorial team for Batwoman has decided to leave DC after issue, I think it's... You mean the... The creative team, the writer and artist. Not there's the, an, not there's the an editorial artist. team too, and it's it's like creative slash editorial. I don't I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know how, the, but it's not like it's not the suits of DC. It's like the people that are yeah, the creative team. So. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think they're leaving after issue twenty eight or something like that. They um, there were some other issues with it as well, like last minute decisions. Even though that they've had storylines. For a while, like I think they had a big Killer Croc thing, and then like at the last minute, DC decided that they didn't want to do that, and they made them change it last minute, and it was just another thing that was piling up to eventually have these people get tired and leave. I did read about that. There's technically the whole gay marriage thing. DC tried to appear gay-friendly with their 
Green Lantern, but they kind of copped out on that one, and they had it be like some guy that was briefly Green Lantern. They didn't take any of like the originals, like Hal Jordan. Or no, Kyle it was, it was just a, An, what was his name, Andy Scott or something. Was it one of those Andy like Scott. like it was like Kilowog? <laughs> one of the alien Green Lanterns. Like, well, Kilowog. We feel safe enough to bring Kilowog out of the closet. The issue that I have is at what point in time? Oh, it was Guy Gardner. It had to be. Please tell me it was Guy Gardner. I think it was. I think the last name was Scott. Was the gay Green Lantern? Oh, Jay Scott. So he's like the original from the Golden Jason Age. Scott, is he? No, Jay Scott. Jay Scott? I think it's Jay Scott. I'm not a... I'm not... I think we've already established we don't like Green Lantern. I think we've already established that we're not comic book people because uh, <laughs> we'll be... I'm just a ton of DC history, but I'm pretty sure... I, I, I know a little bit about that story. I'm pretty sure they took the Golden Age Green Lantern, like the very one. I thought... I'm before, pretty sure you're right. Yeah, I thought before... I could be thinking of The Flash, too. I thought before Hal Jordan that there was like... His name was like Jay Scott or something like that. And that's the one. Did they, like, bring him back? They're like, he's back. He's gay. He's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they killed off his boy. Like, he was gay, but they killed off his boyfriend in the first issue. Right. But that's not what we're really trying to talk about. We're trying to talk about the strong female characters, Strong female characters. So the question that my, my first question is, at what point do you think... Suits at DC. I, I don't want to. I don't like saying the word suits, but I don't know what else to call them. The editors, because that's basically like a creative team creates something, and they're like, "This is what we want to do." And then the editors get a step before printing to say, "No, because we're you know whether it's for marketing reasons or um, you know public image reasons, they might want to make changes." It's like if you said. Yeah, you know what? We're going to take Batman in a new direction. He's just going to cut this dude's head off. They'd be like, "Sorry, we, you know, this character is a an intellectual property that we own. We're not going to let you change him that drastically. So we're going to edit that and say you can't do that." That's basically what their job is, you know, because um, it it is a multi million dollar, if not billion dollar character, and they want to watch it over it closely. Sure, but. Uh- I feel that that doesn't really apply in this case because they've already handed this character, this gay character, over to somebody where they've not used her lesbianism in an overexposed way. It's been done very tastefully. It definitely helps develop the character line. And they're trying to build up the story. They've been building up the story. And then at the last minute, they go, um, no, sorry. So, I mean, at what point do you step back and allow your creative team to be creative and develop the character that you've entrusted them with? And did the crea- do you think the creative team is doing the right thing by leaving, or do you think DC is doing the right thing and protecting their brand, whatever that means? Well, I would like to tackle this from a, a writer's standpoint. Okay. And, you know, it comes to... Uh, you know, what kind of arc do we want to have for this character? Um, when it comes to marriage, that drastically changes a character's dynamic. Like, after, I know for myself, it's like I used to stay in shape, and then I got married. Now I can get as fat as I want. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, how many times has Superman been married and they said, Nah, he's not going to stay married. Or Peter Parker become married, and yes. they said, 
this is not the intent of the character. He can't have the same adventures as a married man with kids that he had when he was a teenager. Right. And what's funny is that actually was a storyline that got major heat. Was Spider-Man made a deal with Mephisto to erase his marriage because the writers felt like, well, there's more we can explore. He's handcuffed by being married and... Even though, according to the fans, you know they hated it. That's the direction the company felt they needed well, to go. Well, even if in that case, even if you were to kill off Peter Parker's marriage, it would have been best if it just dissolved. Right. Like if they actually, if him and Mary Jane had a problem, and they decided, listen, we're not going to be together anymore. Instead, you're going to sell your marriage to the devil in order to save Aunt May, who should have been dead in comics thirty years ago. That's I, I, I like and assume is that just from a business standpoint, and I would hope that companies, I know Marvel is large enough, especially now that they're owned by DC, that I'm sure that Disney. they do lots of art. I'm sorry. Did I say DC? <laughs> <laughs> that will never happen. The opposite will happen before that ever happens. But, uh, you know, companies that large are going to do, you know, market analysis. They're going to look and see what their, you know, market is, what their demo base is, what they believe, where they're at. Uh, you know, to kind of go to the DC thing, I could totally see that DC does research and finds out they probably have a much larger conservative market than Marvel does and probably let their writers have a long enough leash until the last moment and then lost their guts and said, no, we better not do this. We might lose sales. You know, when it comes to that, though, I will say the articles that I read, um, the creative team that quit did say that. Uh, you know, they kind of sparked the firestorm and things started to get out of control. And they, they had to put in, actually, the editorial team said it wasn't uh, the gay marriage. It was they didn't want the character to be married. Now, either way, the point is the creative team wanted to go with a story of a married character. And they said, no, you're not going to do that. So it, I don't think, you know, politics-wise and progressive-wise, whatever we want to do, uh, when it came down to the editorial decision, it was like, no, this character won't be married. Man, woman, animal, mineral, vegetable. It doesn't matter. Um, and the creative team who wanted to explore a married Batwoman was denied that. Okay, so you... I get to disagree a little bit with that. I mean, it's Well, not, the only reason I'm saying that is because that's what I read in an article. It, it's a good point, but... Uh, like Tim said, it sounds like that's where the the creative team was told it's okay to explore. They were already engaged. They were already there. It just sounds like at the last minute, the company thought, "Hey, you know what? This might lose sales. Let's not." To, to take it back to the Spider Man thing, I say it's not even just you know the gay marriage issue, but with Spider Man, I would not be surprised if Marvel with uh, Joe Q made the final decision of, well, we're supposed to be a family book. Spider-Man's a family title. If we have him end his marriage through divorce, you know, that, that'll look down on families. We don't want him to go through a divorce. That's the wrong way to do this. So let's create some, you know, stupid thing of him making a deal with Mephisto. To them, that was a much more secure financial decision then to just go through a divorce. Was that pre-Joe Q, though? No, it was, so. it was Joe Q. No, that was, that oh, was okay. doing it. I think he even wrote the storyline. I think he even wrote those issues where... Uh, probably because the original writer didn't want to. Yeah, well, it was, uh, I think it was J. Well, Michael. because the original writer was, the original was like, writer. couldn't we just do this by having their marriage fall apart and get a divorce? But then Joe Q and the company ultimately goes, well, 
we got to portray this as a family thing. You know, divorce will look negative. We don't want kids reading that and thinking of divorce. Meanwhile, so we have, meanwhile they have an alcoholic Iron Man and a Hank right. Pym that beats right. his wife. It, 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 same thing with the with the Batwoman. I'm sure that you know at the last minute it's a business decision where the company kind of loses their gut and goes, well, we think we might lose sales to this. We've done a lot of research. We have a very conservative audience. I just think that it's like they should make these decisions before they tell the creative team, here, let's just keep giving you a leash to go with this story. Especially when they've been working on an arc for exactly. two years now. Exactly. So I, mean, I can't blame the creators at all for going, well, look, you let us take it this far. And at the last minute, you guys lose your guts and it just ruins everything that we're building up to. Whether that's, you know, best for the storyline purpose or not, you know, still that's what they were developing to. And at the last minute, the company decides we don't want to do it. And it kind of flushes everything they've been doing down the toilet. Well, I guess it just comes to, you know, the role that editors play in the comic book industry versus the role that, say, a novel editor plays. When uh, a novelist comes and tries to sell a book, because every book that comes out is a new sale. So a novelist will come along and say, here's my manuscript. This is what I wrote. And it's pretty much take it or leave it. You know, the right. the notes are just right. supposed to be things that help uh, the story, like... Your pacing's a little bit slow here. Could you speed it up? And sometimes novelists go, nope, that's my creative vision. That's how I wanted the pacing. And the editor of novels has the right to say, okay, well, I work for this company and we're not going to buy it. When it comes to comic books, you can't just say, well, we're not going to buy Batwoman anymore. We're just going to cancel it here. You know, it, it's an ongoing serial format. More like a television show than it is like uh, writing for a novel or a novella or a short story or right. something like that. Um, so, I mean, if a if a writing room in the middle of a season of I don't know what's a one of your favorite shows right now? Uh, How about Breaking Bad? I really like Breaking Bad. I will say that Breaking Bad is my favorite show, even though I haven't actually seen it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, I like Breaking Bad, but if they just said. You know, like the writer's room came up with something crazy, and this is going to be an extreme example. If they're like, yep, and then our next episode, we think it'd be really fun to explore uh, he stops being involved in the drug business at all. And we want to explore this area of his relationship with this person, you know. And they're like, um, the premise is what sh sells the show. You can't do that. This is a group intellectual property with expectations, you know, from who we're selling the show to. As an editor, my job is to step in and kind of be like, I got to keep you on the straight and narrow of the plan that we've had. I'm not trying to say that that's what happened with this specific DC comic, but right. I'm just trying to compare uh, the editorial staff in a serial production versus the editorial staff in a uh, one-shot. Even though novels do go in series often, uh, they are kind of standalone. So I think the editor's job is very different. Oh, definitely. I think another factor here is that many comic book fans tend to forget that when you're dealing with DC and Marvel, you're dealing with corporations. The And this has been a, Which, a, a battle this with day creators. And, yeah, but this day and age, cool. you got to know that going in. Right. And it's that's, not a mystery. It's been a battle with creators since the beginning of comic books, and you would think by now they would understand it more 
But I'm sure there are times where they felt like, hey, you know what? You let us do this. You let us do this. And at the last minute, pulled the rug out from underneath us so they get that heated. But a lot of you know comic book fans tend to forget this, that as a, as a creator working for a corporation, it's it's their product. You know, ultimately, they're the ones. They own those characters. They decide the direction they want to go with them, even if it's a last-minute thing where they say, all right, we decided we don't want to go through with this, whether it's because we don't have the balls to or we, you know, just legitimately research those. This will be a bad financial decision. It's their company, and they have the right to do that. As a creator, you want to side with them. Like I said, when you see that they were they were told, "Hey, keep exploring this, keep exploring this," and it's like, you know, they got this great idea, and as the creator, they think they have something awesome right there. And at that last minute, that like I said, that company pulls the rug out from underneath them, and they're so upset by it. They're like, "That's it, then we're just, you know, we're taking a hike out of here." And they've got the right to do that too. But you know, a lot of times, people forget about that though—that these are corporations and they do own these characters. And even though it might not be best for the story, it Technically, it might not have been best for the fans. If that's the direction they want to go with it, they've got every right to. Uh, so let's kind of, I mean, do we want to keep this on the topic of strong female characters like we kind of talked about it first? Or do we want to switch this over to the editorial role in comics? I mean, where do you want to go with this, Tim, is kind of your brainchild? I still want to go with the female, the okay. strong female character or the perception of female characters in comic books because there's another story that i have this one well real quick just before you get into that next story um so to kind of cement this back into our own topic what Mm -hmm. it sounds like is um the creators wanted to take a female in a direction that was appropriate for her character that is appropriate for a real life person guess what women get fall in love all the time and get married and they were denied that. So it kind of was like, no, you just kind of have to fit this character into the same model as most of Every our male character. characters um, where they just kind of act like that. They're always breaking off relationships and continuing on fighting crime and breaking off relationships and they never get to settle down. Okay. Um, so how about the next one you have? So the next one, this is another thing where this is another DC story that somebody actually sent me. They have a contest, a drawing contest, going on right now. And the contest is to draw Harley Quinn. It's four pictures that you're supposed to submit, and all of them are crazy ways that Harley Quinn is trying to commit suicide. I don't know how exactly I feel about that part, because on one hand, it's like, okay, well... I'm all for suicide and stories. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that. Like, I don't like to shy away from any content. Or any other kind of creative ideas, but it's the way they are doing this is kind of weird, especially with their fourth. Let me clarify that real quick. I'm okay. all for exploring the subject of suicide, not like I'm all for people committing I suicide. Wish like, yeah, I, we're, we would definitely want to have a comic where just everybody dies at the end. They they all kill themselves. There's no real conflict between any characters. Yeah, well, that's the resolution to every client or every conflict. You know, yeah. if everybody just kills themselves, conflict solved. Let me let me describe to you the fourth panel that they want drawn. Oh, I haven't heard this yet, so I'm excited. I'm busting. <laughs> Harley sitting naked in a bathtub with toasters, blow dryers, blenders, appliances all dangling above the bathtub, and she has a cord that will release them all. We are watching the moment before the inevitable death. Her expression is one of 
oh, well, guess that's it for me. And she has resigned herself to the moment that is going to happen. I have two ways I can break that down, but I want somebody Holy else crap. to, I, I want somebody else to approach that first because I have very strong opinions about this. Okay. I, I'm interested to know why is it Harley Quinn? I don't exactly know why they've chosen um, Harley Quinn. I thought it was because I mean, she was going to get her own title. It's, I thought, but yeah, I, I might be misquoting, but it, I kind of consider Suicide Squad to be her own title anyway, but yeah, I think they want to uh, branch off from that is the idea. And they're looking for someone to do Harley Quinn moving forward, whether it be in Suicide Squad or her own title. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to see if you can capture the essence so the other of Harley one, Quinn. Right. So the other ones are just like, the other panels are just other kind of weird things. Like she's standing in a shark's mouth or a whale's mouth, tickling the roof of the mouth, trying to get the whale to swallow her. The other one is her in a suit made of raw chicken, trying to get eaten by alligators. Um, what <laughs> I know that's that's what I'm saying. So there's two. We're trying to keep I'm our clean rating. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying they to keep our me. clean rating here. But so uh, on one hand, it kind of makes sense because Harley Quinn is a severely damaged character, right? On the other hand, they're really trying to get with this suicide theme, and the fourth, well, that's evident now. Like it, the it, fourth panel that they're having drawn is the the big argument and I kind of agree with it is they're trying to sexualize her suicide or her suicide attempt cuz why does she need to be naked in a bathtub well you can get electrocuted but or either way but um all right so let me go ahead and spot off my comments then all right here uh the first thing is I kind of like some of the stuff they've set up um I remember when I was a kid, I went to Disney World, and they have this, like, haunted thing. Did anybody go to Disney World in Orlando? I've never been to Disney World. Okay, so they have this haunted ride. Did you go on the haunted house ride? Yes. Okay, so on the haunted house ride, the first thing you do is you step into this room, and it might be different now, but I was eight at the time. So you step into this room, and uh, you know you're getting into a scary situation, but when you come in, it's just this, like, very nice, upscale... Uh, room that has painted portraits of all these different family members and you're like oh this is this is very nice this is obviously supposed to be like a mansion type house you know so obviously the family members would have self portrait or painted portraits Mm -hmm. uh, of themselves but most of the portraits are like from the waist up and then what happens is the uh i'm just going to call it wainscoting because i don't know what else to call it but that divides half the room and the pictures starts to drop and you see that there's more of the painting that you couldn't see. And, like, one that I distinctly remember was a woman that was, like, kind of walking on a tightrope over snapping alligators. And my adult mind might be embellishing a little bit. But, yeah, all the paintings, turns out they were posing, but they were moments away from death in every photo. And I, it was just <laughs> whack, wacky and fun, you know. Right. Obviously, this is too a more extreme extent in these Harley Quinn panels, but it's got that wacky fun thing. It almost reminds me of when you see a lot of times a comic, like uh, the people open up their jacket and they've got three knives, a hand grenade, a TNT with a clock on it, mm-hmm. you know, as their weapons. So uh, the thing with the, the toaster and the different electronic appliances, it's got that wacky comic booky kind of feel to it. That part I kind of like, uh, but I'm going to tell you, 
Harley Quinn, in my opinion, became a popular character, probably especially through like the Batman animated series, you know? That's where she was created. Yeah, she was like kind of like a comic relief, but at the same time she was a villain. So she was just like she was very interesting because she had this dark edge, yet this humorous edge. You know, so it made it popularized her. And when she became popularized, like so many women in comics, they were like Let's sexualize her. Right. And basically, Harley Quinn never got much more development than a pinup girl. She is the perfect character to draw for a pinup photo. And what you just described to me were four pinup photos that also have that wacky, dangerous, creepy, horror-type feel to them, which they feel like that character should have. But it has no actual characterization of her as a person. There's nothing. She's flat. Mm-hmm. So she is basically a suicide girl pinup. And I don't mean suicide girl as in she's committing suicide, but you know what I mean. Right, yeah. Uh, she has that darker edge. Hey, you want to see the girl that's just big cleavage? You know, look at any of our characters. But you want to see the, you know, deranged hot girl? That's Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. So there's two arguments that are going on with this. One is... Depicting suicide at all—that's apparently that's yeah, apparently making a lot of people on the internet angry. Just the depiction of suicide, which I don't know—I don't know how I feel about that because again, I don't like to shy away from any content. And I think if something is like probably going to be offensive to somebody, then what it should actually be doing is opening up a dialogue. Well, I'm going to say the one thing. Like I said, she's flat. Is that you didn't have one panel where she was trying to commit suicide, and then one panel where she's like maybe, uh, in spite of herself, rescuing a, let's say, a kid from a bad situation. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, these cops can die, but this little kid, no. All of a sudden, you see a, a different aspect of her character, and I'm just making that up on the spot. But all four panels are the exact same thing. You would think if you wanted to see versatility in an artist, you would want four different emotions throughout the panels. But no, she's just a pinup girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I have something to say about suicide. One of my writing credits that I have is I uh, wrote the script and directed a video for the United States Navy because they were having a suicide problem in the Pacific Northwest. And they came down to you know, the junior sailor level and said... To me specifically, hey, we uh, heard that you've done some creative writing for, you know, television style scripts before. Could you make us a video that deals with the topic of suicide? And the first thing I did was I went back and I started brainstorming. I'm thinking all the cheesy anti-suicide things you see is about like a sad person. And then immediately their friends swarm around them and lift them up out of the suicide. That's not how it happens in real life. So what I did was I wrote a script uh, where it was kind of like a what if. Um, So the very first half of the movie, you see this guy. He's sad. His friends tell him all the wrong things like most people would do because they don't think, oh, there's no way this guy's going to commit suicide. And uh, lo and behold, the first half of the video, he commits suicide and succeeds. And then what happens halfway through is like, what if you had handled this differently? So it kind of shows people up close, this is the real result in real life. Suicide's a real thing. And then we start to explore your options of what you could have done to prevent it. Um, But that's 
taking it in a serious direction, but none of those panels you talked about sounded serious. It sounds like th- like not only are they trying to over-sexualize Harley Quinn, as they do with many comic book characters, but they're also doing the suicide thing just, it seems like, just for the sake of publicity. Yeah, I feel like at this point we could almost back burner the suicide topic, though, because that we could probably find lots of comic book examples to mm-hmm. talk about that. We talked about Craven's Last Hunt in one of our right. episodes. Um, but mainly I think we want to talk about her as a female character and how flat she is. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Sam? Uh, to me, this is an easy one. It comes back down to business and where the company feels they have to go to sustain their largest market and profitability, which, unfortunately for DC, that is like 12-year-old uh, newly hormonal boys. Um, and this is a topic I would like to go into later, which is you know the rising demographic of females in comic books, but unfortunately, it's not there yet. You take a company like DC... They're going to sustain profitability by going, well, if that 12 to 15-year-old is our market and that's who we're going after, that's who we have to appease. The Internet is a very loud, vocal minority. They make up a very small percentage of what their actual sales are. So when you're saying, okay, we got to make a cover with Harley Quinn on it, are we going to go with the one where she's in the shark's mouth? Yeah, that's clever, and people that are smarter than that 12-year-old will get it. But they're not necessarily the ones that are buying our book are the one where she's in the bathtub and she's naked and it just looks crazy and cool. Well, guess what? All those 12 year olds that keep, you know, our company afloat, that's the one they're going to like. That's the one we're going to go with. Uh, it sucks because for those of us that are adults, we look at that and we go, Oh, well, that's not right to sexualize that character. There's so many other things you could do storyline wise with her. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we're not the ones that buy it or we're not the ones that keep that going. And DC as a company, Again, they make those decisions. Well, is this going to appease our main market and continue to make a profit for us? Or is this going to turn them away? And unfortunately, a lot of times their decisions are made out of fear, out of, well, if we did go this route with it, what if we took Harley Quinn and we didn't over-sexualize her? Oh, crap, we might lose that 80% of our market, which is those 12-year-olds. They might not buy it, and so we're going to take a loss on it. It's It sucks, but, I mean, that's how business there's done i'm gonna tell them right now though and i'm gonna tell everybody who's listening all those three people that listen to this podcast out there <laughs> i mean three thousand um they're making i think in my opinion they're making a gross miscalculation because when i fell in love with harley quinn as a kid who was about that demographic you know the just the pre-teenage if you think about it she might as well have been wearing a burqa she was the most clothed character mm-hmm. in comics when I saw her on that cartoon. She had gloves, a full body suit, a painted face, and a hat where you couldn't even see her hair. Like I said, might as well have been a burka. Right. And I love the character because of the character. They've stripped that away, right. in my opinion. And, and now she's a pinup girl. Th- this is where the difference in the companies, I think, makes a just that's the difference you know in marvel they have you know an older audience that gets that they think like you do they think like all of us do they know the better decision to make but at dc probably is that they have nothing but 12 year olds that read their books and they're in enough financial peril that they don't want to take any risk right now that might cause them a loss well the interesting thing that i think about dc is not only are they going to over sexualize this character not only are they not going to allow batwoman to get married but they don't seem to have any problem depicting rape. They've had like three 
storylines that have had rape in like the last two years. That's because they're used to it because they've been getting raped by Marvel for so many years <laughs> that they're All cool right. with it. They'll put it out there. It's no big deal for them. Yeah, I I think it's a – I don't know where the decisions are in that company, at, like at which level, but um, they're probably not the only ones that you could blame for the rape thing. That's for sure. Um, I just think there's a severe lack, like – I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm getting into the comic book writing and everything like that. If somebody presented me like, hey, what's the character you would love to write most if you could write any comic book character? And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what, Wonder Woman. Because as an outsider who who's not like a Wonder Woman fan or something, it's like, why am I not a Wonder Woman fan? I know that name. She's super famous. But as a guy, I don't know anything about her, really. Right. Um, I was never drawn to read her books. I would love to explore that character, and that would be awesome, I think, uh, to do that. And it sounds like that's kind of what the creators of the Batwoman, you mm-hmm. know, the most recent incarnation, they probably were like, what could we do with that that's been missed for so long? And that's how I feel. But I think we should probably bring this down now more to uh, what we do right? and what other people that are aspiring comic book writers, illustrators could do to not get females so terribly wrong right. in their comic. Now, disclaimer, we are three nerdy dudes. Um, so any femalers that want to send us a comment at show me comics on Twitter, please refute us or hurrah us or mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. But, uh, we definitely want the feedback. So there's definitely a, there's a term in comic books. It's called, well, not in, not just in comic books, but there's a website. It's called uh, Women in Refrigerators. Okay, I want to hear about this because I've never heard this before. Basically, the concept is that there's all these female characters. They're all in comic books. They're all basically written by men. And for the most part, a lot of them are, in part of their story, they either get depowered, raped, or die, mainly just to further a male role in the comic book. Right. So. Well, I would take that as a, a more quantifiable way of thinking of it is to talk about the Bechdel test. Have you guys ever heard of that? I have not. I can't remember if I mentioned this in another episode or not, but I, I got it pulled up. Basically the, the Bechdel test was a a couple of women noticed this in especially pop culture, mainly movies uh, and develop this test that you could apply to see basically how inclusive a film or a product, creative product, was. Oh, at, I remember. I think you mentioned this all. Yeah, I think I did. So anyway, the Bechdel test. Let me just break it down for you. Is uh, I'm going to actually just read from Wikipedia because that's the easiest way. The Bechdel test asks whether a work of fiction features at least two women. That's the first part of the test. There's three parts. Who talk to each other, second part, about something other than a man. Okay. And that's the third part. So what I did when I heard about the Bechdel test is I applied it to our graphic novel. Do you guys think our graphic novel uh, passes the Bechdel test? I absolutely think it passes the Bechdel test. What about you, Sam? I'm really thinking ahead here. Uh, I don't think it does. Okay. Uh, I know that it does because I've analyzed it since. It does? Oh, okay, so right. it does pass. Okay. So we have 
Our main character is a female, so that's one woman that we've included. Okay. Um, there are other women in the comic um, a lot, but they would not pass the Bechdel test necessarily. But the two that do, she has a gym teacher, and she has her own mother. That are two very actually important characters in there. And the gym teacher, she talks about sports and she talks about uh, in very character development moments about her uh, confidence, you know, and how she's kind of acted in school up to this point. And they have some pretty good discussions about that. And then her mom and her, we have several scenes where it's just them in their home life. And in both the gym teacher scene and the mother scene, they don't, by the way, spoiler alert. (laughs) if you read the first part of the comic you would know why this is a spoiler alert but uh too late so at this point you should already have your your copy of hafu volume one right um well that was all right you're right that wouldn't spoil but uh you know they have some very good moments at home when they're just talking to each other about life and other things like that they never bring up men in the equation um but there are a lot of things that do fail the bechdel test such as well, what what have you guys noticed in our comic? No, in oh, I thought we were still talking Hollywood about comic. comic books, something like that. Like, and one of the things about the Bechdel test is like any okay, sitcom the, pretty much fails that right. test. Oh, there's a lot of them, yeah. Because when you get the two women alone, they're like, "Does he like me?" Right. Or oh, he was such a jerk. Blah blah blah. That's where that third point comes in. Like, okay. There's more than one woman. They talk to each other, but what are they talking about? You know, mm-hmm. and the whole point being in real life, a guy. You know, are you really envisioning that when women are away from us, all they do is talk about us? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fl- here's the way I like to analyze it: flip that on its ear. Can you imagine yourself every time you were out of a woman's presence, only talking about women? Right. Mm. We're kind of doing it right now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> disregard that. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds, you got to examine yourself through the lens of what if it were my sex. And when you do that, it's like, that would be totally ridiculous. If I were to only talk to another guy about girls every time I talk to him, you know? Right. So, uh, I think that can be really good. In fact, uh, in a script I'm developing now, I was coming up with four characters to be in a group, you know, and I started coming up with one and she was a female and I came up with another and he was a male and I came up with another and he was a male and then I came up with another and he was a male. And that third male that I came up with, I was like, there's nothing about this person's passions, interests or drives that are uniquely male. Why am I making him a male? Oh, probably because I think I already created my female character. Right. And so I'm done. And I'm like, hey, this will be fun. Let's just flip it on its ear. And uh, let's make this one a female. Not because I felt I had to have a token or anything, but it's like I caught myself because I actively think about how am I portraying women in my writing. And I'm like, there's no reason this character has to be male. Let's just right. do it. you know. And, and then explore and find out where it goes from there. Final thoughts on, I mean, that's how we've approached it. How can other people... Uh, other than using the Bechdel test or the women in refrigerators thing, especially as a male trying to create female characters do this. I think part of this goes into uh, what you talked about in an earlier podcast um, 
about how a lot of you know creators like to put themselves into their characters, and that can be a good thing and a bad thing. I think in this situation, this is where this uh, is a bad thing because the majority of comic books are written by males. Right. They have no idea how to think like a female or what females are actually doing, what goes on in their lives. They just go, well, I assume it would be this. I think it would be that. And this is one of those where if they could interject a little bit of themselves into the character, that would be a great thing. But they can't because they're not females. So instead, be, yeah, they like, relate to stereotypes. If stereo. I was a woman, I would Right. Be. They relate to stereotypes. And they take what we talked before about, well, what's these ways that I could pers- they could take my personality and grow it. But as a female, as a female, how would I like to, you know take my personality or this power do this or this pose or look sexy instead of how would a female actually approach the situation well you as an artist that's got to be a big challenge for you well, not necessarily a challenge but it's got to be something you think of it's like i know when i was a kid you know and i'd think of oh the comic book heroine you know it's like i'm a boy obviously what i want to see is the curviest thing i can look at again harley quinn in a bathtub as a 12 year old that's what you want to see that's all you understand but if you were a 12 year old female you wouldn't at all absolutely so how do you as an artist approach that when you're drawing women Uh, okay so to go back to the putting yourself into the characters um as we were working on hafu my daughter was just a few years old and as uh Ridiculous as it might sound, a lot of times I think of Akiko as my daughter, Madeline. And it's very easy to not want to interject lots of stereotypes into your character whenever you're thinking of them as your own daughter. Right. A lot of the sexuality, a lot of the over-top, just ridiculous look, I go, man, that's not how my daughter would be. I can't do that of her in this book. So a lot of times I would look at it through her eyes. And, you know, and... uh, Especially she got a little older while we were working on this book. And I would say that, you know, how would Madeline approach this situation? How would she wear? If she was a teenager, you know, off of her personality right now, what kind of clothes would she wear? What kind of face would she make? How would she respond to this? You know, in coordination with what the character is supposed to be and yada, yada, all that stuff. But I think just approaching of the mindset of, okay, if this was my daughter through her eyes, instead of what if I was the female? Right. That yeah, that's tremendously. That- I can definitely see that. You know, and that's and a huge right. Uh, and some of the other female plus. characters in the book, you know, when you talk like her mom, again, I think, okay, my mom in that situation, not what would I be if I was her? I think, okay, how would my mom do this? What face would she make? How would she respond to you know seeing this character or whoever? And another thing on that, I mean, from the writer's standpoint, it's like, hey, how about talk to someone? You know, ask right, them. Right. You know. Hey, read this scene real quick. You know, from your point of view, do you notice anything? You know, and, and if they don't notice anything that jumps out at them as, you know, awkward, then great. But if they do, that's even better because um, they provided that role of audience and editor to you before you made some sort of weird mistake. I mean, if, for instance, you shop that Harley Quinn idea, you know, to a female mm-hmm. and she's just like, why is she why, why is she exactly. why is she naked? You know she can get electrocuted just as easily and you could identify her better in her uniform. It's like well, I didn't really think about that. And as a creative person, you can still say, "No, I want her naked." And that's your right, you know, but uh if you are just doing it without that thought process, that's where you can start to get into that dangerous area of I have not thought 
of the readership. Right. I've just mm-hmm. thought of what to, to build satisfy that, myself. Something that I think helped tremendously is over the course of illustrating this book, um, as I would begin completing, you know, the line art to a page, I would have my girlfriend Lindsay who has absolutely no ties to comic books at all. She only knows them through me from watching comic book movies, but as an actual comic book fan, just, you know, zero history. As I would complete pages, I would have her look at it and I would say, okay, do you understand what's going on in this scene? And she could say, yeah, you know, this person's doing that or they're sad over this or just however they're reacting. But it's like, if I could get her to understand the story being told, then anybody should be able to understand it because she doesn't come from a comic book background at all. But another thing is she could look at certain scenes like when they're in gym class and say, you know, wait, that wasn't what it was like whenever I was in school. Our gym class was not like that. And getting that female perspective or maybe if Akiko reacts a certain way, she could be like, you know what, that's no, that's not how it would be. That's too much emotion or that's, you know, not how we look at it as females. But it was awesome to have that female input Instead of just, oh, I think this would be cool to draw it this way because it would be cute. All right. That's, uh, you know, and one final thing that I would like to add is all the stuff we've talked about and all the stuff you're going to get bombarded with on society. Ask yourself sometimes, like, am I overreacting? Mm-hmm. Because there are times when it's like there should be sexy female characters. They can still have all the depth of everybody else, but don't think like, oh, I can't have this person naked in a bathtub because then I will be, you know, anti-woman. I'll be a misogynistic. There are a lot of women out there that enjoy being beautiful, being, you know, dressing up and things like that. And it's a part of who they are, but not all of who they are. So just that's just my little disclaimer warning of, don't swing the pendulum too far in the other direction where you're like, I cannot, you know, or I have to restrict myself and not explore these aspects of women. Because if you do that, then you're also not being true mm-hmm. to to female characters. So I think that's fair. Yeah, and I think I, that's, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I agree with that completely. I think that where Tim brings up a very valid point is that it's multiple times that DC seems to have these patterns with women. Well, not just go. DC, it's comic books in general. But to go back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, there's just, why don't they go and approach the female and say, hey, what do you think about this? And the reason why, it goes back to business. DC does not care what, you know, a 25-year-old or a 15-year-old female thinks about their business because that's not who's buying it. And ultimately they fear losing profit. I like to think that with our book, we look at it from a different point. We say, look, there is this rising demographic of females that we think we could capture and that we could build off of. And so that's why we've talked to them. We found out what they like, what they don't like. But again, with the DC, they don't care because that's not the market they're going after. You know, and the thing is that, I don't think it takes that great of a skill to write a believable female character. Now, not maybe the best, but I'm saying a believable because guess what? Write like you would any other character. A human being has passions. They have fears. They have all these other things. And then all you got to do is say, and we're casting in our casting call a female for this role. There you go. And let my last thing just be that I, again, will 
state that I am not a DC fan. I actually cannot stand the company. <laughs> so that's why I keep referring to what they see their main market as. I don't like the company. And so, yes, I, I'm with Tim on a lot of these issues, but it just goes back to that's what they think better business is. By the way, I would like to remind both of you that there is a whole wide world of comics out there that is neither Marvel nor DC. I'm a Dark Horse uh, And fan. they're pretty awesome. <laughs> so I think on that note, if you want to explore other avenues and see what else is out there, remember there's more than the big two. And there's ours. Absolutely. And That's- if you would like to check that out, you can come to www.showmecomics.com for more information. And that's comics with a CS because we know how to spell. And we know you're very active on social media. So on Facebook, visit us at facebook.com slash novel and like our page. And follow us on Twitter at Show Me Comics. Thank you for listening. We're Show Me Comics and we're wishing you the best in your creative endeavors. Because we know how to spell. Because we know how to spell.